Welcome to the Epiphany Lutheran Church podcast. These messages, based on a biblical text, interpreting the hearer's situation, informed by Christian teaching, creatively proclaim the crucified and risen Jesus of Nazareth for forgiveness and new life starting now. Epiphany Lutheran Church is located in South City, St. Louis, Missouri. Our vision is to be a community that puts Jesus first, neighbors second, and ourselves third by gathering to be served by him so we can grow to love as he loves. Learn more at epiphany-stl.org. That's epiphany-stl.org. Two of my best friends are doctors. They are my golf buddies. I think you've heard me talk about them. They give me almost as much sermon material as my family. First time I met one of them was on a golf course and a mutual friend had pulled together a foursome and Ricky and I wound up sharing a cart and we're driving along getting to know each other and having that deep male conversation that happens on a golf course like what club are you going to use here? Four iron. Okay. Got it. And then he got paged. That tells you how long ago this was. And so we drove up to a kind of restroom shelter that was in the middle of the golf course, and it actually had a payphone. Hannah Hawk. I'm talking to you in the middle of a sermon. Have you ever seen a payphone on, other than on TV? In real life, a payphone? Okay. Boy, they are. They used to be the lifeblood of communication. I can remember sticking quarters into those things like crazy. So we found this payphone, and he made his call, and he got back in the cart, and I said, everything okay? And he said, yeah, I just admitted a guy to the hospital, and the nurse wanted to check on the medication. I said, great, what's, what's wrong with him? He said, well, either he's got the flu or he's going to die. So we drove on to the next tea box. <laughs> he wasn't kidding. You know, medical diagnoses are, particularly when symptoms are just beginning to present themselves, a lot of times they're simply informed guesses. Although we know a lot more about medicine now than we used to. Some of our ancient medical practices almost seem barbaric. The one that comes to mind right away is, and this happened for centuries, bloodletting, either with leeches, or as we advanced technologically, they created a device that was spring-loaded that would puncture. And the theory was that disease was caused by bad blood. So if you let out a little of it, the rest of it could breathe and become healthier and the disease would go away. They were still doing bloodletting a couple hundred years ago. Then the next step up or down was something called trepanning, where the doctor would drill a hole in the skull to release the pressure causing headaches, <laughs> toothaches, seizures, or general crankiness. 
Sigmund Freud, contributor to the field of psychiatry, he diagnosed or prescribed cocaine for just about every ailment that was presented to him. Somebody would come in with an illness and he'd say, oh, take some cocaine, it's good for whatever ails you. Bayer, we think of as aspirin, it was a German company, Friedrich R. Bayer, in 1920s, they produced and doctors prescribed cough medicine for children that contained heroin. And then my favorite, and I'm gonna use a word I've never used in a sermon in 43 years. So now I can retire. <laughs> and maybe you'll fire me before I retire. <laughs> you know what the common treatment for hemorrhoids was? A hot iron applied to the site. I see you squirming. It had a surprisingly effective cure rate because when people came in with that problem and they heard what the treatment was, they immediately said, oh, I'm healed. No more problem. And then, and then there's this, and we, and we went through all of that just to get to this. Doctors in mental institutions used to use this test to determine whether someone was ready to go home or if they needed to remain in the mental institution. Here's what they would do. They would take a patient, put him in a room with a sink. They would turn the water on, plug the sink, and when the water overflowed, they would hand the person a mop and tell them to mop. If they, the patient turned off the water and pulled the plug, and mopped, they were deemed ready to go home. If they didn't turn off the faucet and didn't pull the plug and just kept mopping and mopping, they were considered mentally ill. So in today's gospel, Jesus and the disciples got out of the boat onto the land in the region of the Gerasenes and they were met by a man for whom no test was necessary to determine his mental condition. He was out of his mind. Naked, had that crazed kind of strength that would break through any kind of restraint, lived among the tombs, and the tombs, don't think of cemeteries like you might pass on the way to church. Tombs were caves. And it, here, so here's this guy who would take shelter in a cave which was already occupied. And there's so much going on in this narrative, we've got to unpack it just a little bit, okay? So when Jesus saw this possessed man, he said to the demon, go. And the man fell at Jesus' feet and screamed at the top of his voice, what have you to do with me? Jesus, Son of the Most High God, I beg you, do not torture me. Most High God, that was a phrase used by Gentiles. The Gerasenes, area of the Gerasenes was in a predominantly Gentile area, so in all likelihood this man 
was not Jewish. But here's the larger context. Jesus had just gotten out of the boat with the disciples. They had been on the Sea of Galilee. There was a storm. The disciples were afraid. Jesus was sound asleep in the boat. They woke him up and said, don't you care, we're gonna drown? And then Jesus calmed the storm. And the disciples were even more terrified and said, who is this that even the sun, even the wind and the waves obey him? They didn't recognize him. The demon did. And Jesus asked, what is your name? Maybe speaking to the man, but the demons replied, indicating they were in control, legion, for we are many. Now here's what's interesting about that. The largest unit in the Roman military was called a legion, 6,000 soldiers. So the people who heard this, they would have made that association and they would have immediately thought of the Roman military, this overwhelming force that came in and possessed the land and couldn't be driven out. That's what this man was dealing with, an overwhelming force that could not be driven out except Jesus did. And the demons asked Jesus to allow them to go into pigs, some crazy demon logic that said that being in pigs was somehow better than being in nothingness. There was a large herd there, according to Luke. The Gospel of Mark says there were 2,000 pigs. And Jesus said, okay, and the demons went into the pigs, and the pigs went crazy and jumped over a cliff. It's a little perplexing, a little troubling. I mean, here are these pigs minding their own piggy business. And some folk like PETA folk, maybe you're of that ilk, people for the ethical treatment of animals, they don't even like pig farms, let alone pig suicides. I'm binge watching a series on Netflix right now and it's incredibly violent. Swords and spears and people dying, fire and catapults and all kinds of stuff. But there's a little disclaimer at the end of every episode. No animal was harmed during the making of this film. They couldn't say that about this exorcism. I, I don't know about the pigs. I do know that they were considered unclean, but remember we're in a predominantly Gentile area. But here's what I do know. They were valuable. Let's say in, in today, let's say a pig is worth 250 bucks. It's worth more than that, but let's just say 250 bucks. If there's 2,000 of them, like Mark said, 2,000 times 250 is half a million. Thank you, Jack. Half a million. So whatever the equivalent of that was in that day, jumped over the cliff. Now with all this going on in the story, you know what really fascinates me and where I think there's a lesson for us? The reaction of the townsfolk and what Jesus said to the exorcised man at the end of the story. The townsfolk said to Jesus, after seeing this, they said, you know that boat you came in on? Why don't you get back in it and take off? You're not welcome here. 
You know, maybe they were upset at the financial loss they had suffered or somebody had suffered, but that's not what the text says. The text says they were overwhelmed with fear. The Greek says that, that they were pressed with fear. Fear was like a wall pushing up against them. They were flattened by fear. They were bowled over. They didn't care about the healed man. Well, maybe they did, but they cared about their own issues more. They didn't want their lives messed with. That was scary to them. And Jesus messed with their lives because that's what Jesus does. So here we go. You think we ever act like that? You think we've got areas of our lives that are under our control that we don't want Jesus messing with. And we're happy to give Jesus jurisdiction in some areas of our lives, but not all, so we keep our guard up. It's like we say, I like the Savior part, Jesus. <laughs> Just not so sure I like the Lord part. Are there things that we do not bring under his lordship? Stewardship, should we go right there? And we hear Jesus call to surrender and trust and engage with the people around us and we find ourselves going, that's kind of scary. I need to make sure I've got enough. Oh, congregations do that too, you know. They do ministry as high as their resources allow. Maybe there's some sin habit in our lives that we don't want to give up. Maybe there's a compartment of our living in which we refuse to repent. Maybe it's traditions, particularly religious traditions, and we cling to those, despite the fact we know they're just personal preference and part of the fabric of our own comfort quilt. It's the third time I've not worn vestments. Some of you may have looked at me and went, oh, he forgot to put on his robes. Well, I'm old, but not quite that old. <laughs> vestments are a tradition, fine tradition, but tradition. And sometimes when I wear the vestments, I wear the stole. Sometimes I don't wear the stole. Only an ordained guy can wear the stole. Tradition. Maybe there's been a dysfunction in our lives so long that we're afraid of what life would look like without it. Maybe there's an area in our lives where we're mopping and mopping without turning off the faucet because we think we can handle it. And we become codependent to our own demons. I think all of us, and I mean all of us, which puts me in there, 
think all of us have an area or areas of our lives where the Holy Spirit is nudging, poking, probing, pushing, inviting us to bring that area under the Lordship of Jesus. Some place in our lives that we're just holding on, holding back. Some place where we have a demon, but we don't want our demon exercised. And so we say to Jesus, I'll keep you in the sanctuary. You're safe there. Other than that, you're a little scary and I don't want to lose my pigs. I don't want to lose my habits. I don't want to lose my traditions. I don't want to lose the things that give me comfort. I don't want to lose control. So I'll see you in the sanctuary. And I might volunteer. And I'll even put some money in the plate just to kind of keep you away. But you're not welcome to this part of me. Do you think there are people who live like that? You think they show up in churches? And then there's the healed man. He's at Jesus' feet, he's dressed, he's calm, he's clean. Tombs, pigs, they're not clean, they're gone. You think he was grateful? He'd be nuts not to be. And when the townspeople said to Jesus, get in the boat and go, this guy said to Jesus, please, please, please take me with you. Of course he did. And Jesus said, no, you stay with them. <laughs> you know, the ones for whom the pigs were more important than you, the ones who tried to keep you chained, the ones who wanted you far away from them as possible, you stay with them. Interesting, now in next week, we're gonna hear Jesus invite three guys to come and follow him, and they said they'd rather stay home. So Jesus left. Here we've got a guy who wants to leave home. And Jesus says, stay. For whatever reason, maybe because his presence would be a continual reminder of what had happened, but in this great twist that is so God, the one who was ostracized, scandalized, demonized, is now essentially the only sane one in the area. And he's left behind to tell the wonder and the glory of God to those who do not want to hear it. We know that one. So, you got some area in your life where you're mopping and mopping. Some area where you don't want to give up control. Some little habit that demonizes you. Do you worry? That's a demon. Are you critical, judgmental? Are you a tisker? Got a little pride thing going? Maybe it's fear. Maybe fear binds you. Maybe your fears are legion. 
Maybe there's something going on in your life that scares you, but you're even afraid to do something about it. This story about the Gerizine demoniac is the second in four stories, all of which proclaim who Jesus is and describe his authority. The first is the stilling of the storm where he, his authority over wind and waves. Now he's got authority over demons. The next story is authority over illness as he heals the woman with a 12-year flow of blood and then with Jairus' daughter that closes off the sequence. It's his authority over death. You want to see authority? Shall I sit down and get out of your way? This is my 38th Sunday with you. And on 43 of those, I've told you how much I love that cross. In the first place, it's a crucifix, and there aren't many of those in Lutheran churches. But I really like how your eye is just drawn to it, because it is what we proclaim. And I love how it hangs over the table on which should be communion. Should I go there? You know my feelings on that. And we say it over and over. The cross is foolishness to the world. Crazy. There are those who say that people who believe what the cross proclaims are not in their right mind. But it's where we cling. In the midst of the tombs surrounding us, we cling. And as we do, everything that bound us, everything that possessed us, everything that terrorized us, everything that chained us is exorcised, purged, banished, sent over a hill. Jesus, Son of the Most High God, died and rose again that our demons may be sent screaming. And we are free. Free from chains, free from tombs, free from fear, free from mopping and mopping. And so be it. Amen.